0: The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide.
1: Are you looking for a fun way to give back to your community? Then join Fight Obesity Walk during its first annual 5K on November 10th at Irvine Regional Park. Registration begins at 9.30 and the walk begins at 10.30. Bring the whole family down for a day of fun and help support those who are battling obesity. For more information, go to fightobesitywalk.org.
0: Growing fresh citrus in our backyards is something we've enjoyed here in California for generations. But our citrus trees are at serious risk due to a plant disease called Bing, or HLB. It's a death sentence for California citrus, and it was recently detected in California. Once a tree is infected, there is no cure and it will die. Infected trees need to be removed. But there is something we can all do to fight HLB. We can stop the Asian citrus psyllid, which is the insect that spreads the disease from tree to tree. Inspect your trees regularly for the pest and disease. Visit CaliforniaCitrusThreat.org to help identify the pest and disease. If you think you have the psyllid or HLB, call 1-800- 491-1899. You can also visit your local garden center to find products that can help protect your tree. We can save our citrus trees, but we all need to work together. A public service from the Citrus Pest and Disease Prevention Program. You're listening to get the
1: out. You're listening to get the out. Yo, you're listening to get the out. You're listening to get the out. Out. What's up? You're listening to Get the f- Out. Yo, you're listening to Get the f- Out. You're listening to Get the f- Out. Uh, Excuse me, it's Get the Funk Out. Right here on KUCI eighty-eight point nine FM in Irvine every Monday at nine. For more information on the show, you can visit the show blog at GetTheFunkOutShow.KUCI.Org. That's right. Get the f- Out. All right. Enough already. I get
2: it. <laughs>
1: Good morning. You're listening to Get the Funk Out. I'm your host, Janine. This is KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, and I have a very special guest joining us in just a little bit. Her name is Vicki Lee, and she focuses and clarifies clients' most important issues throughout the country. She's known in executive circles as the CEO's secret weapon to solve problems and map out the path to success. Now, before starting her own private practice in vision boards, Vicki spent four years as a very successful entrepreneur, and she sold her business and retired at 27. I'm looking forward to hearing about that. For the next several years, she was chosen by shaman Kahuna and revered spiritual leaders in the world to learn the sacred arts of their native healing practices. She has a degree from UC Berkeley in spiritual hearing, healing, excuse me, spiritual training, uh, to map out your business and life path on your vision board. She's the author of Vision Boards, A Guide to Mapping Out Your Vision. She's also going to be at an event coming up on Saturday, October 12th and the 19th at The Shed in Dana Point. And I'm going to uh, share more information about that. She's going to talk about that coming up. And by the way, if you want to find out more about meeting Vicki and hearing her at the free workshop, let's see, the website is theshed dash danapoint.com and it's my pleasure to welcome Vicki Lee to the show good morning Vicki good morning how are you I'm great thanks you have a very interesting career path and I want to before we get into vision boards I want to hear more about that can you tell me a little bit about how at 27 you retired what was it you were doing
2: I had an organic juice bar and raw vegan foods cafe, Ooh. and the way that I started it was right when I got into college, I was 17 years old, my father was diagnosed with cancer, and mm-hmm. he was given, it was non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, mm-hmm. he was given two and a half months to live. Oh, it was gosh at the end already it was in the bone marrow okay. and he ended up living four and a half years with a really high quality of life because we went all over the world searching for holistic and organic and natural cures mm-hmm. and he also did um, chemotherapy and radiation because at the time we didn't know so what happened was the chemotherapy and radiation destroyed his body and all the oh. healthy things we were doing built back up his body Amazing. And after he died, um, I felt, you know, so much in my heart. I hadn't healed from that experience. Mm-hmm. When I opened up my uh, juice bar, it was, it was amazing because every day there was a line around the corner. And when people would come, I would give them juices. I would tell them the story about my father. Ugh. I would heal them. Okay, uh, excuse it, me. I have chills. This,
1: this is really, really touching. You know, that this is incredible. I'm sorry. Go on. Go on.
2: And so I felt my father had blessed me at that time because I spent so many years trying to save his life, and when I couldn't, I wanted to save everyone else's life mm-hmm. because I'd had just had that experience. It was so fresh in my mind. And so when people came, I would give them all these juices and healthy food and help them change their diets, mm-hmm. and then it naturally evolved that I was giving them intuitive life coaching sessions as they were getting their juices. And so it was physical and spiritual healing. And from there, my business just kept taking off and growing.
1: Vicki, where was this business located?
2: It was in the Arts District of Berkeley.
1: Okay. And because so you were a you know, student there.
2: Down the street from Chez Panisse, where Bill Clinton loves to eat, mm-hmm. and all those fancy-smancy gourmet ghetto. Yeah. And we all use the same organic farmer's. And produce, it had it delivered early in the morning, picked that, you know, the, the day before. Everything was uber-fresh, so mm-hmm. the quality was so high.
1: What a story. Unbelievable. And so you decided, what, what was the turning point you decided to sell your business? I
2: had done it for exactly four and a half years, exactly how long my father lived after he was diagnosed. Okay. And um, one day, I broke my arm. And um, I couldn't work because my whole business was physical, manual labor. We're dealing with, like, hundreds of pounds of produce a day. And so I decided to go to Hawaii just on vacation with a broken arm. And every island I went to, all the indigenous and native people just opened up their homes and their lives to me and told me to live with them. Uh So I chose Kauai. The North Shore of Kauai was a... Um, a family of tarot farmers that had been on that same land for 600 years farming tarot. And I felt my father had led me there to heal, because my whole life I had acquired a lot of personal power, uh-huh. and I didn't have love. And so that was the missing equation, was love mm-hmm. um, from a family and from the earth and from nature. And I knew it was right. So when it came time um, to do it, I had such a powerful, loving experience with the land in Hawaii, such a deep connection. All the indigenous people just welcomed me, and they said, go back to Berkeley, Mm -hmm. break up with your boyfriend, move out of your apartment, (laughs) sell your business, and come live with us and farm with us and live old-style way of aloha. And did you? I I did. I had it done in 30 days. (laughs) <laughs> and so I had a line of people who wanted to buy my business from around the country. I chose one, mm-hmm. this great gay couple. Mm-hmm. I chose them, trained them to do it, and was back in Kauai in like two
1: months. Oh, I love it. Was the boyfriend totally shocked or, you know, could, knew it was happening? Um,
2: he needed to move on. He became yeah. a professor in Europe okay. so, and married this French girl. has a kid. He has a wonderful life. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. everything worked out
1: great. That's great. That is great. So then how long were you there for? I
2: was there on and off for eight years.
1: Mm, sounds like an incredible experience living there.
2: It was very powerful. I learned the old school way of Ho- Hawaiians, the way that they heal. And um, at the highest, we call it aloha, but it's, it's actually just, it's compassion. But there's there's like like there's 5,000 shades of compassion. Mm-hmm. There's it comes in like they could, you know, you could spend a gazillion years studying it. It's an art and a science. And they were teaching me their way, how they heal pain and hate. I mean, these are indigenous peoples, just like the Native Indians, whose culture and land have been taken away from them and everything. And there's a great deal of racism in Hawaii both ways. You know, like mm-hmm. I experienced living there where now you might not think you're you're racist, but when you go and you live in Hawaii, mm-hmm. um, the land heals you so deeply, all your issues come out. And when mm-hmm. you're there, um, the people who don't belong on that land because they're not contributing, yes it doesn't matter what race they are. They're just not contributing because mm-hmm. the land, we live on such a small place, you have to learn how to preserve that which you love and take responsibility for it and for everyone else. And if you don't contribute to it, you become this hateful, jealous person. It's almost like a demon yes. takes over you, or you turn to drugs or alcohol. And because the power of the land is so great, you're either going to swing dark or you're going to swing light. There is no gray. Interesting. And so living there with that level of um, power coming from the land, almost like the Avatar and the Na'vi people, Yes. you know, people land on Hawaii, and they see all this abundance, and they want to exploit it immediately. And that type of exploitation, that type of hate and anger and negativity, the Hawaiians have to heal that mm-hmm. with their love, because they don't have money to heal that. They don't have political power to heal that. They can only heal it individually, one heart at a time, through love. Mm-hmm. And that's what they were teaching me, how to how to face the greatest negativity and hate with only your love as your only weapon. Naked and alone, you only have love. Go.
1: (laughs) You know, I'm I'm speechless. I hated it, but, you know,
2: I did it because I didn't have a choice.
1: Yeah. So you basically stayed there for eight years? You did not come back to the States?
2: I went back and forth to Brazil. Okay. Because I was was living in monasteries, um, learning from these miracle healers in Brazil. And I would sit there, and I would meditate, and I would watch this guy heal one to 5,000 people uh, uh, every week. Just watch him heal. These people, everything was free, was donation only. No money was taken. They even feed you for free, and you live there for free. Like, there's no money exchange. But mm-hmm. I watched this guy, this gifted guy, heal people, and he'd been doing it for 40 or 50 years already. Mm-hmm. And I observed and I understood. I understood the true reason why people are sick.
1: I see. Why is is that?
2: It all sources from your spirit. You're Mm -hmm. spiritually sick before you are mentally, emotionally, or physically sick. And so the quickest way to heal anybody, any type of life coaching or therapy or diet or exercise, is to go straight to their soul, Mm -hmm. to heal it in their soul first, and then it's like a it, it, that's the root cause of everything. So that's the most efficient way to heal any disease is to go to the soul first mm-hmm. because that's a source of your power.
1: Yeah. I so believe that because we're a reflection of our upbringing and all the people that have been part of that equation. And um, I just, you know, as I tell people, um, and by the way, if you're just tuning in, this is Get the Funk Out Show. I'm your host, Janine. We're talking with Vicki Lee and I tell people, you know, uh, I lost a dear friend who inspired me to do this show. And I I say, you know, sometimes um, somebody's depression, it's not just one person. It's a whole equation of people. It's everything. It's things that happened from her childhood. And so I, I believe you do have to look at everything, everything that's part of the equation.
2: Yes. Yeah. And there's layers to it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. There's layers to it.
1: Well, that is really interesting. So... All this led you to, uh, you know, change gears and then specialize in what's called vision boards. What is that exactly?
2: So vision boards, I took all these ancient ways of people uh, who taught me, all these indigenous tribes that I were living with, all their ways of healing, and I adapted it to modern-day modern, modern day problems. And a vision board, a traditional vision board that you see on Oprah or The Secret is where you paste pictures of all the things that you want to be, do, and have. And you've seen those treasure boards, those dream boards. People have a lot of them. Yes. And I take that many, many, many steps further because that dream board shows you what you think you want. Okay. But it doesn't show you what you really need or will fulfill you on a deeper and unconscious level. So sometimes you think you want that that big $2 million house, and you get that big $2 million house, but you're divorced, you're lonely, you're miserable, and you don't understand how come you got that house on your vision board. Why do you feel even worse? And a perfect example of that is people who win the lotto and their life just gets worse. The money made the problem worse. It didn't make the problem go away and didn't make the problem better.
1: I know. Uh, My daughter had said, what if we win the lottery? I said, you know, winning the lottery can cause a lot of problems. It's not like it's the end all, you know?
2: Well, so the lottery and money represents power. Mm -hmm. And so power... Isn't necessarily, it's not like compassion. You throw compassion onto something, it always makes it better. But you throw power onto something, and if it was bad and you throw power onto it, it's worse. If it was good and you throw power onto it, it's better. Mm -hmm. So you better take a really good look at what's there because if you have anything that's a tiny bit of anger, you throw power onto it, you'll be super angry. If you have a little bit of love. You're kind of a loving or creative person. You throw power onto it. You'll be super loving, super creative. So it enhances anything that already exists. The problem is you have to know what already exists before you go ahead and throw some power onto it. Mm-hmm.
1: So let's say you're trying to quit a bad habit, like you know, too much drinking, or you eat too much chocolate, or that can be part of your vision board.
2: Yes, that can be part of your vision board. Is so you wouldn't put anything negative like stop smoking. You would always put what's positive like clear lungs mm-hmm. or breathing again mm-hmm. or great health or not, you know, moisturized skin. You'd always put the positive, not what's negative. So That's how you would start. The very first thing that you start is you always, you always put what you want. You never start with what you don't want.
1: I see. I see sounds like a form of therapy, but it's very, it's very interesting how this whole thing evolves, you know, throwing everything out there on your vision board.
2: Right. And then, so then when, if you want, let's say you want perfect health, Mm -hmm. then your vision board, you wouldn't just put pictures of like super perfect people who've never smoked a cigarette in their life. Mm -hmm. That is, that's not going to help you because that is too far away from where you're at. You have to start with with exactly where you're at, that's going to inspire you to move forward. So you'd put on your vision board, walk three times a week because you can't right now, you can't even walk down your steps. So your goal, your goal would be able to walk around the block three times a week. See, that's closer to you than a picture of some gorgeous supermodel on right. your vision board.
1: Yes, yes. Now, a lot of people who listen to my show, They go through different types of funks, let's say career funks, emotional funks, relationship funks. Let's say the challenge is a career funk. How would a vision board, you know, help them in some way? What specifically
2: about a career funk?
1: Well, you know, we had talked offline about, I had a friend of mine who, she was an attorney and she just wasn't happy. I mean, she did this because this is what her parents thought she should do and they supported her. So she went through law school and then she ended up quitting her job because she really wanted to be a, a writer. She wanted to be, actually write romance novels. So she bought this run-down little place in Vermont and left to go write romance novels.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. So you see right there, mm-hmm. so, so if you were to make a vision board, on your career, and you are an attorney, and you left your life to go live in a little cottage in Vermont to become a romance novelist. Yes. Right? Okay. So imagine, if you will, you have this large poster board in front of you. You're going to make a a vision board for a career. On the left, you divide it exactly in half. Draw a line straight down the middle.
1: Okay.
2: You've got two halves. On the left half, you have attorney. On the right half, you have romance novelist. Okay. Now, on the attorney side, I want you to list all the things that being an attorney meant to you.
1: Well, I know for her it was like prestige and money and, you know, respect and all that.
2: Okay. So what you do is you divide it physically, mm-hmm. emotionally, okay. mentally, and spiritually, so on the attorney side, physically, buku bucks, right. money. Yes. Emotionally, terrible. Right. Negative, jealousy, lonely. Right. Mentally, huge status. Right. Show off to my friends. Right. My parents were proud of me. Spiritually, nothing. what did it mean to be an attorney? You tell me.
1: I think for her, nothing. And actually, she was not in a relationship. She was very lonely.
2: Okay, yeah. nothing, right? Nothing. So then you go to the romance. So there you've got this nice list of things mm-hmm. on the left side of your vision board of what being an attorney meant to you. Mm-hmm. Money and status, but lonely and no meaning. Then on the right side of your vision board where you've got romance novelists, you're going to list all the things that it meant to be a romance novelist. No money. Right. Emotionally rich. Um, Imaginative, creative—I um, feel like I'm inspiring people. Y- you see, you have yes. all these things on the right side of your vision board.
1: Yes, it's. Am I
2: missing anything for the romance novelist?
1: Yeah, I don't. Th- I don't think so. You know, it's interesting now that I think of it, and this is a long time ago. To take to go from being an attorney to a romance novelist, she was obviously she was definitely missing in her life to want to have that as an outlet, you know, to run to that direction.
2: Yes. And so then, so then, now you have your your vision board, and you're looking at the two sides. Mm-hmm. What did I choose in my career? That's what you're going to write as a question on the top of that vision board. You didn't title it career. You t- you're titling it. What did I choose in my career? On the left side, success and no meaning. Yeah. On the right side, no success but lots of meaning.
1: Yes.
2: So what she did with her career path is she gave herself an either-or. Either I'm successful and miserable or I'm not successful and happy. Mm-hmm. And so on the very bottom of the vision board where you write your mantra, you have to have both. I need to create a career where I am successful and I have meaning. I don't have to give up the money and move to a cabin in Vermont and run away from Everything just so I can be happy. I can have both in my life because what she's doing is she's boxing her in, herself in. Right. She's given herself two dead end streets: the attorney, who's successful and miserable, or the romance novelist, who's poor and happy. And you have to have both. You can't do that. You know how? You see what she did? Oh, I did. She has to create a third choice that has both right. success and happiness. Yes. And yes. So that vision board would break her pattern. Her pattern in her head that's causing her to give herself only two choices that both don't work.
1: Do you see this a lot? Do you an example of this yes. it sounds like? Yeah. I thought so.
2: And this is like a basic exercise that everybody can do, no matter how advanced you are. It's kind of like the Olympic athlete. They don't stop stretching, and they don't eat a bunch of McDonald's when they get to the Olympics. No, they, they're doing the basic same exercises we're doing. They're stretching. They're drinking their water. They're not eating at McDonald's. You know, these are the basic foundations that the masters use as the same as, the, you know, the novices. Is Everybody is always you know has an either or pattern and needs to create a both.
1: Does it take a long time to do a vision board?
2: No. Okay. You can do you can do it in 10 minutes, you can do it in an hour. It the speed depends on how insightful you are. And that's the only thing that we do in the coaching is I Help you speed up your own insight, so instead of a couple years, you can do it in a, in an hour or so. But you can do this on your own mm-hmm. if you if you speed up your own insight and, and get your own clarity.
1: Yeah, a lot of times we, um, you know, people might think there's something wrong with them. They lost their mojo. They just can't quite figure out. You know, how come mm-hmm. I'm not happy? This is I thought this was that is dream the job. most
2: common thing. And losing your mojo, like, for example, like, you have a great career for 25 years, and all of a sudden you're just tired, you know, and you're just, like, you're forcing yourself to, like, what happened? I was so excited about life. Or even in a relationship, Mm -hmm. you're not like, I've been with you for a long time, I love you, but there's no passion anymore. Mm -hmm. So you're losing your mojo can happen with your body, it can happen with your career, it can happen with your relationship. And when you lose your mojo, what you're really which it's a really an indicator of is you've lost your
1: purpose. Yes, I can see that. I can see mom's Excuse me, I can see mom's have, going it, through this though, Vicky. You know what I mean? Like um I don't mean to interrupt, but you made me think of something I just read in the paper how, you know, um mom's, you know, we have kids and then mm-hmm. you feel like it's just you know you're on this ham- you're a hamster on a wheel and you're spinning and spinning and you're like whatever happened to me and my creative outlet or you know who I was you're doing for everybody else
2: Why? you've lost your meaning and losing your meaning can mean the difference between feeling like a maid mm-hmm. and a babysitter mm-hmm. to being a mom and the 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 hearth of the family you know like. It looks the same from the outside. All you're doing is cooking and cleaning. That's what I see. But on the inside, it serves a different purpose. And when you have that meaning and purpose, and if you're just a maiden housekeeper, 20 years from now, you're just going to be an older maid and housekeeper. But if you see yourself and you understand that you're a mom and the hearth of the family, 20 years from now, you could be a creative businesswoman.
1: And you know what can really happen at any age. We talked about this. I mean, you heard about an eighty-two-year-old woman jumping out of a plane because she always wanted to, to do that. You know, um, to do risky things and fun things. And you know, you you can do different things at different phases of your life, whether it's music or change of career or whatever.
2: Right. You can do it at any moment. And but that's what we don't know that we don't realize that till we get to our aha moment. Till we breaks for the pattern, kind of like the attorney. She thought her aha moment mm-hmm. was moving to Vermont and becoming a romance novelist. That was her aha moment. Oh, bring in inspiration. That wasn't her aha moment. Her aha moment was after she didn't make it as a romance novelist, and she realized that um, the pattern that caused her to be a romance novelist uh-huh. was the same pattern that caused her to be an attorney.
1: Right, right. Yeah, she actually did fail miserably. She said she gained a lot of weight, ate a lot of chocolate, <laughs> and was very unsuccessful, but she learned a lot about herself. hmm Yeah.
2: And so what I tell people is you can learn the same things without having to quit your high-paying job, because what you're doing is you're not breaking your pattern by becoming a romance novelist. You're continuing it, but from the other side. Mm -hmm. So if you want to sort of skip the failure part of it and go straight to your aha moment and, and go from attorney to maybe successful romance novelist, you can skip that part about being an unsuccessful romance novelist. You know, you can kind of skip a lot of pain and trial and error if you get to your aha moment before you start on the next segment of your journey.
1: That saves a lot of grief, doesn't it?
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. wow. It saves a lot of money. Yeah. It saves a lot of
1: grief. Yeah, it sure does. We're going to take a short break, Vicki, and mm-hmm. then we come back. We'll talk a little bit more about Vision Boards, and also you're going to be doing some free events coming up at The Shed in Dana Point. I want to talk more about that on the 12th and the 19th. Yes. Great. All right, well, hang tight, and we'll be back in just a little bit. Great. You're listening to Get the Funk Out. I'm your host, Janine, and... We're going to talk more with Vicki Lee, talking more about vision boards, and an event coming up at the Shed October 12th and 19th. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back in just did a little bit.
0: The opinions expressed
2: on this show do not necessarily represent those of the management of KUCI or the UC Board of Regents. For more information about this show, go to KUCI.org.
0: It takes 12 years to create a graduate. It takes about the same time to create a dropout. The difference between a child becoming one or the other could be you. Studies prove that reading to a child regularly dramatically improves reading skills. And kids who read well by third grade are four times as likely to graduate. So United Way is calling for one million volunteers over the next three years. We're asking you to step up, make a pledge, tutor a child who needs help, mentor a kid who needs someone on their side, volunteer to read to children, make a difference. Because when a child advances, we all advance. Entire communities improve. Path to success or failure starts long before graduation day and the difference between a graduate and a dropout could be you. Be a reader, tutor or mentor. Give. Advocate. Volunteer. Live United. Take the pledge. Go to liveunited.org now. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. Today in school, I learned a lot. In chemistry, I learned that no one likes me. In English, I learned that I'm disgusting.
1: And in physics... I learned that I'm a loser. Today in school, I learned that I'm ugly and useless. And And in gym, I learned that I'm pathetic and a joke. In history, I learned
0: that I'm trash. Today in school, I learned that I have have no friends. friends. In In English, I learned that I I I make people sick. And and at lunch, I learned that I sit on my own because I smell. In chemistry,
1: I learned that no one likes me. In biology, I learned that I'm fat and stupid. And in math... I learned that I'm trash. The only thing I didn't learn in
0: school today. The only thing I didn't learn today. The only thing I didn't learn is why no one ever helps.
1: Kids witness bullying every day. They want to help, but they don't know how. Teach them how to stop bullying and be more than a bystander at stopbullying.gov. A message from the Ad Council. Hi there, you're listening to Get the Funk Out. I'm your host, Janine. We are back with Vicki Lee, and we're talking about her very creative business uh, that deals with vision boards. Hi, Vicki. Hi. So I had a thought during break. Um, you know, a lot of people, they, they say, I want a more fulfilling career, you know, or I have this toxic boss. How, how do they go about switching gears?
2: To have a more fulfilling career yeah. than what they're currently doing, right? right.
1: Yes, yes.
2: So give me an example. Specific examples are always great.
1: i got a great one. It's personal. Years ago, I was at Hewlett Packard. I enjoyed being there. I liked the people. But, you know, I was sitting there in my little cubicle, staring out of my cubicle and thinking, this can't be it for me. I I, I don't, even though I'm making good money and the people seem nice, I I didn't feel fulfilled. I didn't feel like this was the end all for me. And I felt a little depressed. Mm Mm-hmm.
2: Okay, that's very common. A lot of people have really well paying office jobs mm-hmm. and they want to do something more fulfilling. And the very first unlike the attorney example that we were talking about before, okay. this is this is a little bit of a different case. For most people in a well paying office job, they complain they want to do something more fulfilling. But usually usually in reality, they want something You're different. You left for um, a more creative career, but most people will stay. They'll complain, complain, but they'll stay in their well-paying office job because they want something more than they want their happiness. They want security or money or control because even if you're unhappy, you have a lot of control over your life when you're in that nine-to-five cubicle job. Yes. And they want they, they want that because they think that that will make them more happy than happiness itself.
1: Well, and also I have to say, you know, I've come across people when I was working in different places because I was a freelancer, that the people are so miserable and all they do is gripe at work about how miserable they are, but they stay and they stay and they stay because they want that financial security, but they don't realize they are, they're a walking miserable person.
2: So the very first step is if you're in that situation, you have to realize that even though I want happiness, and just, this is huge, this is a huge, the hugest step is the first step is to acknowledge and admit, I'm not ready to be happy yet. Mm-hmm.
1: Interesting. You're not
2: ready to be happy Because if you believe you can be happy, you're going to sit there and gripe for four years about how miserable you are. But if you just admit you're not ready, you'll shut the m up, (laughs) and you'll get real with yourself. Yes. Yes. Why lie to yourself for four years? Right. Why don't you just face yourself, pause for a moment, just shut up. Yes. Pause. Because when you shut up, your ego... It's like putting duct tape on your ego, and you can finally talk to your spirit and your soul, who is sitting quietly in the background, not saying a word, like an angel. And you can put duct tape on the ego. Just pause. Stop complaining for a moment. Put duct tape on the ego. Talk to your soul, who has all the power to manifest your abundance, and say, Hey, hey, can I ask you a question? I want you to stand in front of the bathroom mirror and look yourself in the eye, and say your own name out loud. Like you're talking to your soul, deep into your eyes, and say, hey, I am miserable, but i got to admit to you, I'm scared. Do I have a chance to be happy? Be honest with me. And the person in the mirror is going to tell you the truth. You're not ready, baby. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, I think we can, but you're not going to be able to do this alone. Or, you know what? You have the resources, but you need to apologize to your parents, or no matter what you do, you'll never move on, because that's what's keeping you in fear in this job. So talk to the person in the mirror, say her name, and let her tell you the truth. Let her tell you the truth, and then make a decision from there, because maybe you don't want to move on. Maybe you just want to be happier in your current job, or maybe you're ready to take the plunge because you're worth it. You're worth all that money. You know, we don't know. Or maybe right. you have a you have a great chance, but you've got to do support. You can't drag your baggage with you. Right. Let the person in the mirror shut the ego up, put the duct tape on the ego, stop complaining, and talk to your soul, and let her tell you the truth before you move forward.
1: It's almost like saying to somebody, if you could open up your heart and your soul and Say exactly what was on your mind and not be afraid of anybody, anything, getting hurt, what people will think of you. Just tell it like it is. What would you say? And that probably brings out a a whole conversation they thought they would never be brave enough to, to disclose.
2: That's exactly what happens. Usually when we do these vision board workshops and exercises, people were like, wow, I never would have thought of that. They mm-hmm. really wouldn't have. And yet, it's not somebody telling them, it's them telling themselves. Like, they're the ones who wrote it. They're the ones that had an aha moment. They're the ones who put that on their vision board. It's like nobody told them to do it. Right. And so they didn't even realize what was coming out of themselves. It's like they would have never, and it's like, yeah, that's what your soul thinks. Right. Your soul who's this wisest and most compassionate part of you, that's what she thinks. Mm-hmm. And and that's the beginning of the conversation. Then from then on, people never stop talking to their own soul. It's like having a conversation with God. Like once you start that process, you never sort of, you always use that as your guide.
1: It's so interesting, listening to your soul. You know, I've noticed that if my conversation... um let me back up a second. Let's say somebody upsets me about something, and it could be something really minute, but it, it bothers me, and and then I'll I'll become in a bad mood. Um, yeah, I try to pinpoint what is irking me, you know, and so that I could just take that and deal with it, and then put it aside, as opposed to having it irk me for the entire day or two days. And I I try to teach my kids when they get in the car and they start venting about, oh, this person did that, or, you know, this whatever, I, I'm not going to share too much, but just basically whoever it was, whatever it was that bothered them, we'll talk about it, and then we're not going to let the toxic conversation, you know, fester at us, because it's not healthy.
2: Right. And, and some people who are, okay, so there's two types of deflections. There's deflecting, ego-based people will deflect negative, negative talk or conversation because they separate. You are not I. Mm-hmm. So, that's your problem, not my problem. They don't care. They're very insensitive yes then then you have sensitive people who care. So, if I say something negative to somebody who cares, that person, and if that person is you, you care you're You're almost like healing them, like you're you're taking their negative energy and you're transforming it into positive or into neutral energy. That's why it hurts you. When you think about and you've got to talk about it, you've got to work it out until you get it to a nice, neutral, and positive place. Right. So you just took some dark energy and you transformed it into a positive sunshine, and then you released it back out into the world. Mm, I love that. So that's called processing. But let's say you're on such a high vibe, you don't want the haters to take you down, and you're done putting Band-Aids on their boo-boos. Right. You don't want to heal them anymore. That's another, that's where you transcend that, and you have to maintain a really happy, positive, and selfish, self-centered vibe where you are the center of happiness, and no haters can do anything to try to get you down because some people are hating on you just because they're jealous. Mm -hmm. And so we just talked about three things, having an ego and deflecting because, you know, you're kind of a jerk, Mm -hmm. healing people, transforming their energy from negative to positive, and three, ultimate selfishness, which Esther Hicks calls the vortex, where it doesn't matter if the world needs healing. You're not going to heal them. You're going to stay happy.
1: I see. I'm writing this down. <laughs> oh, okay. I love it. <laughs> I love it. So she's
2: all about stay happy. You know, let the world can fix themselves or they can, um, you know, ride on the coattails of your abundance, but you don't have to heal them. You can get happy now.
1: Mm -hmm. Esther Hicks, okay. Which is Abraham Hicks. Abraham Hicks. Yeah. And you wrote a book. When did that come out? It came out in 2008. It's called Vision
2: Boards, a guidebook for mapping out your vision. And you can get it on Amazon or on my website, which is meaningandlifepurpose.com. Okay. And, um... In that book, it focuses on I Take a Woman Through 11 Coaching Sessions so you can see how the vision mapping process works. And one of the big things in that book is her body. is um, She uses a vision map to lose weight, and, and she doesn't use diet and exercise because the way she designed her body is that her fat wasn't regular fat. It was emotional fat. So. The food didn't put the fat in her body. Anger put the fat in her body. Oh, yeah. Because every time she was angry at her dad, she'd eat food, and she'd eat grease. And every time she felt lonely and she needed love, she'd eat sugar. Sugar represents love. Yes. And carbs represent protection. I need to protect myself and comfort myself. And all her relationships correlated to what types of food she'd crave. And then what kind of fat went on different parts of her body.
1: Oh, my gosh, I have to read this book. So interesting, because women and food, I've had my own issues with junk food. and yeah, So interesting. Yeah,
2: so when we have fat on our midriff, that's us protecting our power. When we have fat on our legs, we don't want to move forward in life. When we have fat on our upper arms, we don't have enough joy. So where you have the fat on your body. And so what we did was instead of diet and exercise, we went to the root of it, that she was healing her sister's loneliness or her grandfather's alcoholism or what her mother kept judging. And when she healed that, her body shape changed. She went through big emotional conniption and her body shape changed and her weight dropped, but she didn't change her diet and eating because her diet and eating wasn't causing her body shape. Her emotions were. Sure.
1: We have to wrap up in about 10 minutes, but I want to talk about an event. You're um, you're going to be offering a free workshop at The Shed in Dana Point? Yes, uh,
2: on the next two Saturdays from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m., October 12th and October 19th.
1: Is it all ages, would you say? Like teenagers on up? It's
2: teenagers Mm -hmm. on up. Now, there's that particular place. I found this gem in Orange County. It's like this group of these mystical, spiritual, and beautiful women. Like, I'd never, you know, met women like that in Orange County, and I found this little pocket mm-hmm. of them, and they all congregate, you know, around this, this little group, um, the Coastal Arcadian, that little place with O.C. beads is in there, and there's oh, an art it. gallery, and they all know each other, and so we decided to do this free workshop, and so if you go there, you're going to meet these this, like, beautiful group of women, it's like a little gem in Orange County.
1: I love it. I've been over there, they're fabulous people over there, and... um So, oh, and people want more information. It's on theshed-danapoint.com, so the next two Saturdays. And what will you be um, talking about?
2: So we're going to do a mini vision map because a big – I've done vision maps that take, you know, um, months and weeks or hours, but this is an hour workshop. We're going to do a mini vision map of something that you want. You're going to pick something that you want, and we're going to build a vision map to help you get it, which is basically going to – unblock you and give you your big aha moment of why everything you're doing has thus far gotten you closer but not there yet. Mm-hmm. We're going to get you to that aha moment and then after the aha moment, build out next steps of how you can get that thing that you want.
1: That's great. I mean, even as a teenager, you know, or like I said, a mom or anybody.
2: Yeah, teenagers too. They, um, they love it. They gravitate to this they, they understand it. They get it really quick.
1: Do, do the people need to sign up for this ahead of time or just show up? You do because everything is so highly
2: customized. We prepare space for every single person. So okay. you RSVP to Gina Wagoner.
1: And I can put that on my blog, too. Uh, for those right. who are listening, I'll have it up on my blog, which is getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org within an hour after we're done. Great. Right. Okay. okay. Any last bit of advice or info you want to share? I know I also want you to throw out your website one more time, and if people want to contact you. Yes.
2: Um, my website is meaningandlifepurpose.com. Okay. And the, the last piece of advice I, I'd give people is, before you build that great vision board of, of your life, it, just to make sure you don't, Start heading towards the wrong destination is to get honest with yourself about why you think you're not ready to do it or why you haven't done it yet and just just pause for a moment meditate first go to the beach at dawn or do something look at the stars anything to have your moment with God before you create a vision of your life to make sure you don't create the wrong vision to make sure you don't create a whole big vision board about being a romance novelist. Right. Because that will lead to you gaining 20 pounds and losing all your savings. Before you create that big vision board of your big dream, pause for a moment and talk to your soul just to make sure you don't create the wrong vision of your life.
1: And I would also add that um, sometimes I have my clearest thoughts when you turn your phone off and step out of wherever you are, and go, like you said, go somewhere where it's the beach, just somewhere where you're not going to be interrupted by anybody.
2: Where you, where you can hear the voice of inspiration mm-hmm. showing you the real vision of your life, not the one that you think you want right now because you're just panicking because you made that vision board of being a romance novelist because you were miserable as an attorney. You can't make a vision of your life from your misery. You must make it from your self-love.
1: Or desperation. Like, you know, I gosh, I just need money. You know, I just want to make money. I think there's more to that. And
2: if, right, then you are creating the next vision of your life from your fear. Mm-hmm. And that vision is going to be an extension of your fear, not an extension of your happiness. So you, your starting place for your vision board has to be after that aha moment it has to be after that big aha moment of clarity then you must then you create a vision a vision board or a vision of your life
1: well this has been great vicky i want to thank you so much for calling into the show
2: oh you're welcome thank you very much for having me
1: and i hope to make it down either the 12th or the 19th if you want to find out more about the event you can visit the shed-danapoint.com and i'll have um Any other info up on my blog, which is getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. i will have it up and this uh, interview within the next hour or so. So thank you so much, and I look forward to also checking out your book, which is on Amazon, you said? Yes. Great. Well, have a wonderful day, and I look forward to meeting you. Thank you very much. All right. Be well. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Thanks. You've been listening to Get the Funk Out. I'm your host, Janine. I'll be back next Monday at 9, up next Sheldon Abbott with Cure for the Blues. I do want to give a quick shout out to Kelly Bennett. She sent me some info on a great event. I'm just pulling it up right now. There's a gentleman who, unbelievable. I I wish I'd found about this earlier so I could have gotten him on the show before the event. His name is Nick Jordan. He created Wells of Life. He's trying to build water wells for the people of Uganda. Each well serves approximately 1,000 people and he changes their lives forever. To date, Wells of Life has helped provide life-saving water wells that serve over 200,000 people. There's, uh, I'll put the YouTube clip up on my blog as well. There's going to be a second annual fundraising event uh, coming up, and it is called Wells of Life Celebrates Second Annual Fundraising Gala and Auction. Funding will help build water wells to bring clean water to 1 million people by 2020. It's Saturday, October 12th at 6 p.m. at the Mission Viejo Country Club. And, again, I'll put this up on my blog for anybody interested. If you want to find out more about it, it's wellsoflife.org. And I just got this. Thanks, Kelly Bennett, for sending this to me. Uh, Again, it'll be up on my blog in just a little bit. If you'd like to find out about being a guest on the show, just send me an email to J-A-N-E-A-N-E at K-U-C-I dot org. That's J-A-N-E-A-N-E at K-U-C-I dot org. Again, this interview with Vicki Lee, uh, very meaningful stuff, will be up on my blog within the next hour. Coming up next, Sheldon Abbott with Cure for the Blues. Have a great Monday, everybody.
0: Yeah, we need some tunage for this. Uh, uh, Presets, presets, use the presets. Oh, come on, dude. Your whole life is preset. Try something new.
1: Welcome to KUCI Irvine, your escape from the ordinary. Eighty-eight point nine <laughs> FM, KUCI.org.